2: This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. Hello and welcome to episode 160 of We Are Going Up. I'm Mark Crossley in Manchester where, surprise, surprise, it's raining. David Cameron Walker is in his uh, little bunker in central London, DC. Hello. Hello. I can't tell you whether it's raining or not. I can't (laughs) see the outside world. I was going to say, I forgot you're in your little... um, They fixed the aircon in there, by the way. Uh, nope, still, still it's hot. you're still boiling to death <laughs> in there. Um, thank you so much for all the feedback, by the way, last week about the interview that you did with uh, Mike Calvin. Yeah, I got a very good response. A lot of people have gone out and bought the book as a result yeah. of it,
1: and um, um, yeah, a lot, a lot of love for uh, for that conversation. Well, yeah, absolutely. As you said, thanks very much. It's always good to hear that people enjoy it and. You know thanks to Mike for coming on and, and and speaking about the book. It is a fascinating book and you know it's good to hear that many people have gone out and, and bought it because it, it really, you know we we sort of scratched the surface really in in our chat last week there's there's so much more in that book and little nuggets of of insight and really you know peels back the curtain and just you get to see things and, and hear about things you just don't otherwise get to get to see. Have you got that free
2: copy you said you're going to get for me?
1: Uh, I, uh th- there might have been it found its way into other hands by now no, mate. Oh, uh, for, right okay I'll actually have have to buy it then go out and okay, buy
2: it no, no, I'm happy to buy it, it was a put your hand in it. your pocket okay I will do I will do right coming up on the show this week then um, we're going to speak to Andy Turner who is uh, the Coventry reporter at the Coventry Telegraph um, covering the Sky Blues they've had a great start to the season okay they're out of the League Cup I know that they lost on pens but three straight wins in the league Beat Crew 3-2 on Tuesday night this week, and they won 4-0 at Millwall. And doing it in style as well, yeah. Featuring an amazing goal by a young lad called Adam Armstrong, who's 18, born, get ready for this, DC, on, uh, fe- in February... Sorry, I not the exact date. In February 1997. <laughs> Ouch. Um, he's on loan from Newcastle, so we'll talk about that and about their good start under Tony Mowbray. We won't make you do your Tony Mowbray impression, <laughs> um, and we'll also round up what else has been going on. Plus... Talking of uh, the midweek action, I've got my couple of uh, Berry games I've been to talk about this week, Uh, but the midweek action, one of the the fixtures which stood out was on Tuesday night at Home Park in Plymouth, League Two game between Plymouth Argyle and Carlisle United, just the, let me get this right, where's the the actual number, just the 779 mile round trip for the Carlisle fans on a Tuesday to go down and see their team get stuffed by four goals to one. As a result of that, that and the fact we're going to speak to someone uh, uh, you've probably uh, heard on other podcasts before, notably on Football Weekly, uh, Ian McIntosh, in just a second, I asked on Twitter, DC, for that We Are Going Up listeners to tell me their worst ever away days. Okay. Okay. Would you, would you like to hear some of these? Yeah. Let's, let's have a read through, see what we've got. Uh, Sean says, Notts County fan, Rotherham away in 2014, last year, lost 6-0 on my birthday, went with a <sighs> group of mates who don't even support us. On your us. birthday, have Jeff. 6-0. Jeff. Wimbledon fan uh, Blackburn away lost 2-0 missed the last train home got in at 3.30 one word and it's all asterisked it out <laughs> um, Josh the Peterborough fan Hartlepool away on a Tuesday night in December a couple of years ago 0-0 Danny Newport away 2014 on a Tuesday raining soaked missed penalty and lost horrific he's a End fan Anthony the Gills fan uh, Wolves 6 Gillingham 0 in two- March 2003 uh, summed up lots of emoticons of sort of that hands over the face thing what else we got um, Janice hello Janice uh, Bristol City away in the cup lost on penalties after extra, extra time got back at one o'clock then I got a speeding ticket on the way home <laughs> hashtag crappy Mark O'Hare uh, lead 6 QPR one in 2004 freezing Brian Dean got four goals um, Jamie Old away 93 in the League Cup horrid journey Roy I don't know I don't, I'm not sure aware of this player Roy and the surname is W-E-G-E-R-L-E do you know who that Roy is Roy Wiggele I don't know yeah. who he is Roy Wegley former Coventry striker American yeah right uh, Roy Wegley got sent off for an inverted commas saying something to a linesman lost 2-0 capital letters miserable Ian Sheffield United um, beaten by Burnley in 2009 at Wembley I took a boat taxi and two planes back to the UK to see us lose and not have a shot <laughs> <laughs> um, this this is Fantastic. Sam. Bury away in the ninety six. 6-0 down at half-time, demoralising. you sure? need to check that. Half-time? Um, Graham, Stevenish family. What fan. was the final score? Preston away, <laughs> lost 2-0. Uh, sorry, 2-0 down within 15 minutes. Never looked like scoring. Loads and loads of these. You can still send them in, actually, at Waggy Podcast. I might read Brilliant. some more next week. I'm just trying um, to think of some yeah, of my worst one?
1: ones. Um, yes, I think my, my worst one not necessarily in terms of score but just in terms of overall experience was Hull away in the 2007-2008 season which was the season that Watford had come down from the Premier League under Boothroyd we were trying to go back up and we, we had this amazing start you may remember where we were we were unbeaten for like the first 12 games or something we were top of the league we were 12 points clear we were absolutely steamrolling the division happy days we are going to go straight back up then we lost 3-0 to West Brom in like November and then from about November to March, we barely won a game in that whole spell. We just something happened, and we just com- forgot how to play football, and it was horrendous. And, and we were clinging on, and we could see our league position going down and down and down and down and down each week. And then eventually, we we managed to sneak into the playoffs on the last day. But I think it was like two weeks before the end of the season, we had this away game up at Hull. We were fourth, and if we'd won, we still would have had this chance by somehow. Some mathematical miracle, we would have had this chance to still go up automatically. But Hull were right on on their game at that time. They were motoring towards a playoff. Phil Brown had the place rocking, and they had um, God, what's the guy's name? The, the striker from uh, from Manchester United who went to play for Sunderland, uh, Fraser, any, Campbell. Uh, few, Fraser, Ca- Fraser Campbell. Fraser Fraser Campbell was was on fire. I went all the way up to Hull. It was a, a rainy day. We, were, we weren't expecting much. We drove all the way up there and got to Hull. It, it was absolutely teeming it down with rain and then kick-off. 15 seconds later, Fraser Campbell bangs one into the net from 20 yards out. The, the, the KC Stadium absolutely erupted. There was silence in the Watford end. We all looked at each other and every person to a man looked at each other and just thought, what are we doing here? The game is over. First minute. And what was the final score? The game score? is over. I think the final score was either three 0 or three one. They definitely scored three. Uh, the other notable thing from the game was Steve Cabba. Steve bloody Cabba. who was one of our supposed, uh, you know, we signed him I think in January of the, the Premier League season to try and save us. As ludicrous as that sounds, uh, got sent off, <laughs> <laughs> and it was miserable. It was an, a miserable day.
2: I've just looked up my my worst one. Just while you were doing that answer. Uh, it was on Saturday the 14th of August 2004. Grimsby 5, Berry 1. Oof. We were 1 0 up. Did you, uh, away at Grimsby? Away at Grimsby. I went to Grimsby. It, at least,
1: did you have the fish and chips
2: though? At least you could have had, you know, got oh, some sort of back back the days, mate. I can't remember. They were not have softened the blow that day. Anyway, so oh, after dear. all that, um, Plymouth 4, Carlisle United 1. All the Carlisle fans went down there, and amongst them was Ian McIntosh. Now, Ian writes for ESPN. Uh, he's the editor of the Set Pieces. He's obviously a massive football manager. He's, he's written books on football manager. He's a football manager, know-it-all author. Um, he's on the Football Weekly. He is everywhere. And he was there. He made the journey to write a piece that you can read mad um, on the ESPN website. So a few minutes ago, we spoke to Ian on the phone, and I started by asking him what the hell possessed him to do this and how the whole idea came about. <laughs>
0: Well, it was uh, when the fixtures came out, it, it just stuck out straight away, you know, the lunacy of putting that fixture on a Tuesday night. So instantly you start thinking, God, those poor fans, how are they going to do it? Um, and it, it just went from there. I wanted to know how they were going to do it. I wanted to know what sort of people were mad enough to follow their team quite literally the length of the country and on a school night as well so I got in touch with the club who put me in touch with a wonderful woman called Kate who runs the Carlisle United Supporters Away travel group Um, and they very kindly put me on the bus and got me a match ticket and uh, invited me into their their (laughs) extraordinary world.
1: So did you go you went all the way up to Carlisle then down then back up again?
0: And then back again yeah. And
1: then back again.
0: (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> I, went, I went up to Carlisle on Monday night, got to Carlisle about midnight, and then first thing Tuesday morning went to meet the supporters at Brampton Park, got on the coach, we left at 10am, we got to Plymouth at about 6pm, um, watched the game, got on the train again at 10pm, uh, uh, got on the bus again at 10pm, at sorry, all the way up to Carlisle, got there at 5.30 on Wednesday morning. And then I went to the train station to get the train back to London. The
1: two, sort of trying to think back into my experiences as a football fan, as a Watford fan in the Football League, the two biggest trips I've ever done is one on a a Saturday, so it's not even too bad, up to Sunderland on a coach. The coach really did make that uh, journey that little bit worse. Uh, And to Bristol City on a Tuesday night. And it is something about... The, the Tuesday night, the away night fixture, because if you do it at a weekend, I mean, it's still an arduous journey, but you can get back at a respectable time. Even if you've lost, you might be able to still make something of the day. If you go all that distance on a Tuesday, particularly a cold one. So this time of year is not too bad for it, I suppose. But if it's a, a thumping defeat and you're getting back home at God knows what time in the morning, it, it's got to be one of the times you must question, why am I doing this?
0: Oh, God, it was extraordinary. You know, there were people who were getting off the coach um, back in Carlisle at 5.30 in the morning, and they were going to work. <laughs> you know, it had been touch and go. If there had been any more delays on the M6, they might have been late for work and they'd have been in trouble. Um, it's, it's a level of dedication and commitment that I just, I can't even begin to get my head around. And the amazing thing is, I mean, for me, this was just a one-off. This was a part-time thing just for a story. They're doing it all over again next Tuesday. They've got QPR in the cup. I was going to say look that. At where Carlisle is, the geographically, you know, there's, there's only a few teams close by, and they're not even that close. Hartlepool, York, Accrington, Morecambe, they're all about an hour and a half's drive. Everywhere else, the exception of those four teams, the minimum journey is 170 miles, and that's just one way. Wow.
2: I was going to say, and you're um, obviously a South fan who's lived in the North East, so you're no, no strangers to travelling sort of long distances to watch football, but this is sort of beyond that. And there's one guy in particular I want to ask you about, a guy called Jeff, who um, I saw you tweet about. You were sat next to him. Hasn't missed a home game since 1956 and missed three away games in 53 years.
0: Yeah, what a plastic. <laughs> <laughs> three games, man. What's he playing at? <laughs> Tell me about him. He was extraordinary. He, he was absolutely extraordinary because he um, is uh, obviously you know, a veteran supporter. He runs a... a I mean, he's a joiner, runs a company up in Carlisle. And, you know, back in the 60s, he was actually employing half the first team with wages not being what well they are now. You know, the, the summer would come, they wouldn't be earning much, so would get them working for him. And then he'd still go off and, and watch the team. And he just, you know, he, he's there on every single coach. Down he goes, very softly spoken man, built like a medieval siege tower, but very, very, very quiet, just sits there. You know, the fourth goal went in down there, he just shakes his head. And gets back on the bus. I said to him, "You know, how, how does that feel? Eight hours down here to do you see your team get tongued." He said, "Ah, oh, we've had worse." You think, oh, "How have you had worse?" <laughs> and then you realise he's been watching them week in, week out for over fifty years.
1: And and I mean, that is, you know, hearing it like that, and it, it's the remarkable thing. I, I think we we all take it for granted. Uh, in this country, really, because there's nowhere else like this in, in the world. It's you know, it's one of the reasons why we do what we do. You know, the football league is an amazing thing, and you have these long. These, these these committed fans who watch their club week in week out through thick and thin and you know teams will take that hundreds if not thousands of, of fans to far-flung grounds and you know dismal nights and there's nothing else like it in, in world football really you see you know Italy Spain or wherever away games away following it's, it's almost non-existent at times
0: I think it's a very British thing. Um, and the, what really struck me on this, this coach trip was we were two and a half hours down the motorway before someone mentioned the game. Uh, everything apart from that was just like an old-fashioned British summer holiday thing. You know, the sandwiches and parties going down the back, spot the ball competitions, bit of a sing-song, all of that. It wasn't, it wasn't really about the football. I mean, one, one supporter said to me afterwards, she said... Um, you know, it's the same old thing. We have a lovely day out and then the football comes and ruins it. They're, they're, it's, it's like a, it's a big community. They call it their, their family. You know, these are the, it's the same people largely week in, week out. There's 42 seats on the coach and 28 of the people there are season ticket holders for the away games um, for, for the buses. So that's the same 28 people going whether they win, lose, draw, whether it's raining, whether it's sunny. You know, that's, it's what they do. And that's, that's the one thing they all said. Every single person I spoke to and said, why do you do it? they just said it's what we do we're Carlisle supporters and they really are
2: Um, we should say that um, Skybet have um, offered to cover the costs of tickets and travel for all the fans that did go which I think was a a nice um, offer and as you say they've got QPR away uh, next week in the the League Cup as well in terms of the actual game though um, 4-1 defeat to Plymouth what did you make of the actual match?
0: Um, (laughs) Having been so nice about Carlisle um, (laughs) probably going to upset a few people now I thought Plymouth were very very good they're uh, they really trying to pass the ball there under Derek Adams. Lots of, uh, lots of quick passing from the back and lots of imaginative passing as well, looking for gaps, um, some really nice balls into the channels for people to run onto. I thought they looked very, very strong indeed. Carlisle, it was uh, a little tricky. There's there plenty of heart. And to be honest, in the first half, it's very, very even. It was only a slip from the right back that, that enabled the first goal. And in the second half, they were blown away. They had absolutely no answer to Plymouth at all. And, you know, there was a period where it was horrible. It felt like everything was going in. They were just pouring through them. Um, Yeah, Carlisle had a very difficult season last season. Carlisle have had very difficult seasons for a long, long time. Um, I don't think it's going to change dramatically. I don't think there'll be, you know, there there wasn't anything there that looked so terrible you think they get relegated. Um, but I, I'd be surprised if they came much higher than mid-table.
2: And, um, and just finally, Ian, where can people read your um, sort of catch-up about um, this whole trip? Because you've, you've, you went up there for a piece, didn't you?
0: Yeah, it was all for e s p n f c Um and that will be going up very, very soon. We're just going through and editing it because I appear to have written what looks like a small book, um, so we're going to have to cut that all down to size. People
1: have written books about a lot worse subjects than that.
0: <laughs> well, they'll be yeah, careful,
1: yeah. otherwise you'll be, <laughs> you'll be doing one every week.
0: Honestly, with the the interviews that I got, the people I spoke to, the stories I heard, I, you could make a book out of that one trip. I, I might actually have to talk to someone about that. Um, it, it was uh, just a truly extraordinary couple of days with some really wonderful people, and um, you know, a really positive story about football for once.
2: So that was Ian McIntosh talking to us earlier about his midweek trip to
1: Plymouth um, to watch Carlisle get humped for one. It, it, amazing, really, isn't it? And it, it's it's definitely the sort of thing that people who aren't fans of football or even people who aren't fans of football league clubs let's just say uh, will look at and think why on earth are they doing that what is wrong with these people <laughs> and unless you've done it you know I've never been on a trip quite that that long but you know as I said've I've done a few here and there and we, we all have from time to time and it's it's part of being a football fan you know unless you've done it you don't know what it means to travel to, to see your team play away on a Tuesday night on a Wednesday night, or Sunday, Saturday whenever it is, you know, in the middle of January you know, it's freezing cold or it's or it's raining and you're on a terrace and you're standing outside, none of that matters it's all about following your team because every game you've got that hope, you've got that hope that they're going to win and those experiences those miserable nights where you're driving home down the motorway you're getting that speeding ticket or, or whatever, you're getting in at 5.30 and having to go to work, work straight away when you win eventually or when you get promoted or when you have those amazing days it's all worth it. It's all worth it it is, it really is although having said that I do think that the bad days
2: probably outnumber the good days. Well, they do. I
1: suppose they do. But, you know, there's a bit of a we know. I suppose it's kind of part of the the average Football League fan's DNA. There's a bit of masochism in all of us, isn't there? Absolutely right. Um, If you want
2: to read Ian's piece, then that'll be up on the ESPN website right about now. In a minute, we're going to um, take a look back at what's been going on in the last seven days in the Football League. And we're off to the Rico Arena. You're listening to We Are Going Up. We've got the Football League covered. So what a start to the season then for Coventry City. They are sitting pretty on top of League One. Played three, won three. Uh, goal difference of plus seven. Banging in the goals. Uh, things really looking up for Tony Mowbray Uh, and everyone at the Rico this season and um, we thought we'd celebrate that fact DC by speaking uh, to Mr Andy Turner who covers Coventry for the Coventry Telegraph Um, so we spoke to Andy a little bit earlier the line's a little bit in and out Uh, I couldn't hear it too well this end but we're going to play the interview and uh, we'll have a chat about what's been going on in League One off the back of it Uh, so this is Andy Turner from the Coventry Telegraph and I started by saying to Andy it's been a fantastic start to the season for Cov did you expect this?
3: Yes I think so I mean, I think when Tony Mowbray took over um, and finally sort of signed a a longer term contract uh, at the back end of the season, not in the summer, um, I think there was a lot of optimism um, around uh, the city that um, that things would pick up. But um, I certainly didn't foresee such uh, an... Start to the season, particularly given um, you know the, the way that the preseason went, you know, not particularly inspiring. Uh, particularly the, the the last game um, against Oxford at Nuneaton So, um, so, but it's come as a pleasant surprise. And, hey, you know, let's enjoy it while, while it lasts, and hopefully, you know, the signs are there that it's going to stick around for some time.
1: I seem to remember just by you know, thinking back off the top of my head, quite a, a, a number of times when Coventry were in the championship that they started the season quite well, won the first few games, maybe top of the table in August or, or September, and then it all sort of falls falls away. And obviously, you'd be hoping it doesn't happen again this time. But I, I was reading some of the fans' views on the games on, on the message boards earlier on, and it does seem to be quite a, a sense of optimism. And I think, you know, this this little glimpse of 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 success three games in, though he may be, you know, you can see that the fans are really desperate to, to have something to cheer for because it's just been so miserable for, for so long.
3: Well, it has, I mean, ever since they dropped out of the Premier League. I mean, I go back to St. my started doing this job in '98, and um, you know, we had some fantastic games, you know, some opening day victories against Chelsea, I think they did that twice. Um, Uh, in quick succession. They they thumped Arsenal at Highfield Road, you know, that that fantastic 3-2 against um, Man United when Huckabee got that fantastic winner. Um, You know, and they had players, they are fantastic players, Robbie the they had you, you know, you name it, that that could, on their day, you know, cause an upset, upset, and that did happen occasionally. But now, when they dropped out of the Premier League, I mean, it was just... It was all sort of downhill all the way, wasn't it? And uh, and it, it has been a miserable sort of um, decade or more. Um, and they just so deserve um, some success. Um, and the problem has been, I think, uh, it's, it's been sort of consistency. They've never had, um, you know, a consistent team. And even going back to last season, or like recent seasons, you know, what they've had this season in the first three games is a level of, of consistency, and I'm not going to get carried away because it is only three games in, but what they've had that they didn't have last season is that in those three games, those three league games, um, and to a degree at Rochdale, is that um, the, the players have been in control of the game. They've lost possession for a lot of the game, but even when they've been out of possession, they've, it looks like they're in control. Um, and I think that's a huge difference. I mean it's easy to remember that, you know, they could be fantastic for the first forty five minutes and dreadful in the second half. You never knew what you're gonna get the next in the second half, or it'd the other way around, you know, they they'd start off really slowly and then suddenly come come to life in the second half. whereas now I think the big difference is that Mowbray's got them so well organised and he's got such a, a strong um unit of players in there. That they just look, even when they're under pressure, you know, they just look in control of the game.
1: And they they seem to be playing Really nice football as well. Watch From watching the highlights of all the games so far, there's been some really, really nice goals, some little one-twos, good combination play. And I suppose you shouldn't be surprised about that, really, because Tony Mowbray does have a reputation for playing nice football and and, and, and doing well. But he has been talking about, you know, it's all well and good playing good football now, but what's going to happen, you know, come December, January, February, when those some of those pitches in League One maybe mean they can't, do what they're doing right now. So yeah, I suppose it's good from, from that point of view that he's thinking ahead.
3: Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, I and, mean, you know, that's where his sort of fantastic experience come, comes into play. It, it is, you know, um, a long old season, you know, and you know, that's why he's still looking for this sort of big target man, if you like. So for the times when, when the chips are down, you know, they've got to perhaps be a bit more direct. Um, and, and perhaps the only way to play on, on a really bad pitch is, you know, to, to look up to, to the big man, you know, and, and feed off him. But, um, you know, Labour is a smart cookie. You know, he, he's done ever so well. I mean, people fans were, were getting a, a little bit jittery in the summer, sort of thinking, oh, you know, when are we going to sign on a player? You know, we've only got... A- Couple of signings in, you know, everybody else is making three, four, five signs or something like that. But he's maintained all along that because of his limited budget, he's going to get the most for his money and he's going to get the right players rather than just getting players in, which perhaps has been, you know, one of the problems and one of the big criticisms
1: in the past. The three signings that that he has made, who, from what I can tell, have played really well so far one being Adam Armstrong in particular, he's, he's scored the goal so far and everyone's talking about him, but Sam Ricketts and Romain Vincelot as well, experienced players, and that is, you know, a defender, midfielder, a striker. there. three really good signings that give you the basis of a consistent team, as you were talking about.
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, and, and you point out, I mean, it's straight down the spine of the team, isn't it? You know, I mean, Armstrong has been unbelievable, and, you know, and he's, he's sort of been reminiscent in a way of, you know, Robbie Keane's impact at the football club. You know, I mean, it's just, He's just a cut above at this level. He just stands out, you know. Now, whether he could do the same at Premiership level, um, you know, he's yet to prove that. But is not his first three um, appearances for country, You know, he's got all the attributes to make it at the highest level. He really has for a long time to come. But, you know, the other players you mentioned, I mean, I think i been lacking that sort of nasty, gritty sort of um, midfield for a long time, you know, and Vince Lott has got experience um, and he cares about his business and, you know, he doesn't particularly catch the eye, but what he does, he just is so effective, you know, winning that ball back. Um, and then at the back, you know, you mentioned Sam Ricketts. I mean, it's just a fantastic professional. And, you know, he, I mean, he's so consistent and he reminds me of Trevor Peake, one of my favourite players from, from that sort of era, um, because he reads the game so well. You know he's quick. Um, you know he, he's a fit lad for his age. He's got wealth of experience. You know, and, and that's going to be vital. And I think the, the younger players they look up to him. Um, and uh, I think he's a fantastic leader on the pitch. But he, he's been outstanding. You know, just um, in these in these three or four games.
2: One stat which. Um... Is really amazing is that last season Coventry's top scorer got six goals. Armstrong's already scored five this season. Um, And the one against Millwall was a an absolute stunner. So there is goals in this team. Um, Seventeenth last year. You know what? What would the realistic target be? Do you think for Coventry this season?
3: Well, it's difficult, isn't it? Because if you'd asked me um, three or four weeks ago, then I might have said sort of, um, you know the table 10th maybe if they're lucky, you know, but now all the components have come together, you know, you're thinking, well, you know, we've played Wigan, we've played Millwall, all we, you know, it's it's early in the season and Wigan, for example, you know, I think they had a massive turnaround of players. I think, had, um, uh, I think it was 11, 12, 13 players made their yeah. debuts um, yeah. when they came to the Rico. So they're going to take time to settle, but, you know, I, I think that probably now has to be, you know, the government looking at um, the in them, you know, and who knows, but, you know, it's, it's a thin squad and we're only like two or three injuries and, and, and a recall for Adam Armstrong away from it all falling apart, you know, so, you know, we all saw a couple of seasons ago when um, Leon Clark and Callum Wilson were on fire and, you know, Christmas Clark um goes off to uh to Wolves and, and Callum uh and suffer injury and all of a sudden, you know, the, the, the wheels came off, you know, for, for the month or so, you know, until Wilson got fit So you know, you need a lot of luck but um you know certainly if they can maintain this level of performance then there's no reason why they can't get promoted.
1: So far so good on the on the pitch then, but what about off the pitch? And we we've all heard over recent years about the, the various problems that You've had there in terms of the finances, obviously the the much publicised move away from the Rico. What's the current situation?
3: Uh, well, it's just that, as, as you were really, isn't it? I mean, you know, they don't own ground, and um, and that's sort of something that, that I think you know most fans would like to sort of put to the back of their minds, really. You know, nothing's going to change there. You know, the, the club owners maintain they're still um, looking or working on. Um, uh, a new stadium, or a site for a new stadium, but you know they've been saying that for goodness, how many uh, years now, um, and nothing's come to fruition. So I don't know where it's going to end. You know, uh, you know there's still litigation going on through the, the courts and, and things like that. So. You know, it's just uh, it's just a mess, really. I mean, you know, I think the best thing that could happen right now is just for this this fantastic for the football to do all the talking for the football club, really, um, and and let's just enjoy that and try and forget about all the rest. Because seems no no sort of sign of uh, uh, it being resolved one way or, or the other, you know.
1: One thing that can have a positive effect, and it is fans turning up in in their numbers and they you know they're more likely to do so if this run of form continues if this attractive passing football is, is going to be a, a weekly thing at, at the reco I mean the attendances haven't been great for for quite a long time now but I mean do you think we can they can start moving in the, the right direction will we see more fans this season
3: I I think we will I mean I think we've seen them already um uh, the fact that, you know, you can get um eleven thousand just over eleven thousand Coventry fans on a Tuesday night, um, speaks volumes, you know. Um I mean, I think you have to remember that it was only 235 pre-fans on, on Tuesday night. But, but that's a great starting point, you know, and if it carries on, if if this football and the results carry on, you know, that, that sort of builds momentum. You know, there's a buzz about the city now. You know, imagine what it's going to be like, you know, if they if they maintain this sort of form. Yeah, they're going to be sort of bumps along the way, but if they if they sort of maintain their sort of position, um, certainly in, in the top six, you know, when heading towards Christmas, then, then crikey, you know, I, I can see them opening that, that end up behind the goal and um, before we know it, because, um, you know, I think the fans will, will take, you know, get on board and, and come back because, you know, they've been starved of such a fantastic product for so long, you know, and, you know, if you get it right on the pitch, the, the fans will come out. There will always, always be those that, that won't come while the current owner's in charge. And, you know, you, you have to understand that and, and respect their... Their decision to stay away—that's that, fine. But you know, let's put that aside. You know, let's come down and you know, don't put your nose off to spite your face. You know, come down and watch, enjoy the football. That's what it's all about. You know, it's not—it's not about the owners, you know, because you know, they're not going to be here forever, you know. And most um, uh, owners of football clubs, are, you know, come and go, and um, as managers do, you know. So just enjoy what you can.
2: That was Andy Turner from the Coventry Telegraph talking to us a little bit earlier on. On this week's, we are going up. Um, I hope they do keep it going. Yeah, I really do because they deserve a bit They've of. They've been starved of-, of any success. I think there's a start. I'm. Yeah, I'm sure you probably know it better than me. That I think they haven't finished in the top six of any division for in like the last fifteen years or whatever. It feels like longer. Surely, if you put the Premier League years onto that as well. Well, yeah, it pro- probably kind of maybe since they're. FA Cup winning heyday back in the Mm. the late 80s perhaps Uh, anyway we'll we'll keep an eye on that although I've got to say there are occasions where teams like you you say do win the first three or four games and then by Christmas they're down the other end let's hope it doesn't happen to commentary right in a second then we'll turn our attention to what else has been going on in the Football League this week stay there this is the We Are Going Up podcast we've got the Football League covered Let's start then in the championship um, where Bristol City managed to score twice in the last two minutes to get their first point of the new season against Leeds on Tuesday night. It's that man Aidan Flint again. He scored about, what was it, 15 goals last season? Yeah. Something like that. Uh, He got the equaliser and it's been a bit of a traumatic start for Bristol City. They've put in, I believe, a £9 million bid for Andre Gray from Brentford who has turned them down. Um, Yeah. does not up for it. That's an obscene amount of money to be bidding for... For Andre Gray, are they are they panicking a little because they've lost the first few games and they're not brought any pl- in any players over the summer?
1: Well, I think there has been a bit of disquiet amongst the Bristol City fans about the the lack of the lack of signings. Although they've made a few more recently, a few lone players have come in. Of course, they signed Jonathan Khadija as well, the, the striker from France. Um, but obviously, they're they're in the market for for another striker. They tried to get Dwight Gale, he wasn't up for it. They tried to get Andre Gray, he wasn't up for it. Now I don't know what what's the reason. Is it is it location? Is it wages? I don't know is it is it manager or is it be interesting to know why those two players have uh, have actually turned turned down turned down the club, but they've obviously got a bit of money to spend, and nine million would have been a, a hell of a lot of money for Andre Gray. But I suppose that is just the knock on effect of the, the fact that there is so much money knocking around at the moment. You know, when you've got Middlesbrough, who, who uh, they bought Nugent in the end, but they were one stage were looking at buying Rhodes for fourteen million, and it kind of makes other clubs go, well, if he's worth that much this guy's worth this much, he's scored this many goals, he's got this many years left on his contract, this is how old he is, it all adds up and they, they can demand these prices and if clubs are prepared to pay them, which Bristol City quite obviously are, well they're going to, you know, why are they going to ask for any less? Of course they're going to get as much as they, as they want. Uh, it would be interesting to see where they where they go next because obviously you, you do need goals. and they, they won the division in some style last year in League One, and I think people thought they would come up and it would, they keep the momentum growing. But I didn't think they don't think they had the biggest squad last year, and and some players have left the club over the summer. So you know there there does need to be a little work, little bit of work to keep that momentum growing, and you do you do need to add quality players, and of course goals are the most important thing. Look at the look at the front men that they've got there. Is Wilbraham a, a player who's going to score loads of goals in the Championship previous? Uh, evidence suggests not. Uh, you've got Kieran Agard who came back and scored last night, but you, you know you, you you need more, I think. And they're right to be trying to get a striker, and we'll have to wait and see where they go. Um, Brighton started well, haven't they? Yeah, two uh, one win against
2: Fulham on Saturday, and then they uh, they drew one all actually at Huddersfield midweek. They scored after seventeen seconds.
1: It was one of the. It was it was. I was watching it, and and it was exactly the sort of goal that I always try and score on FIFA. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just run at the, it from the kickoff. All went and down the right it. wing, yeah. got it
2: sort of level the area, cut inside. Ping it, shoot, straight in the top corner. i tell you what, mate, there's some fantastic goals in the Championship this week. Yeah. I've just got yeah. a list of them here. I'm just going to reel them off to you. The Matt Taylor free kick for Burnley against Birmingham last Saturday was a belter. Diego Fabrini's goal for Middlesbrough against oh, Bolton.
1: Fabrini. I told you, I knew there was a player in there somewhere. Look what at him. What a goal that He's was. He's tearing it up. And he, I mean, he created the other two as well. Tremendous. Tom Kearney as well for uh, for Fulham. has yep. scored two absolute Although belters sh- this week. shambolic defending before that. But yeah. Well, yeah. Um, Kevin McDonald
2: for Wolves against QPR. Matty Phillips, a winning goal for QPR against yep. Wolves. And Scott Malone for Cardiff at QPR mm. on Saturday in injury time. Absolutely fantastic. Oof. And I was
1: going to mention QPR, actually, because yeah. Charlie Austin scored in midweek and he's still there. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I was watching that game and and, and you think, right, this is a really good result for, for QPR here. They've come back from 2-0 down to beat Wolves, a strong team away from home. But the, the thing is, and you, you could probably say the same about Hull as well, is that you, you look at these, these teams now... Are those two players going to be there in, in two weeks' time? Come the end of the transfer window, Charlie Austin almost certainly not. But fair play to him; he's obviously working hard and he's not sulking. He's and while he's still there, he's playing and he's scoring. And I think that that deserves uh, some recognition. Uh, Matty Phillips as well. You know, he changed that game, scored a goal, made some others, and he. Is another player that's been linked with moves away. You know, the, the figures of like ten million have been bandied around, and if they end up getting 20, 25 million for those two players, you know that's a big deal for a club in QPR's financial state. And while they, it's looking good for them at the moment, you're going to have a different situation, a different team. It, it, you know, it's all good having the money, and they need the money, but can they go out immediately and replace those players? It's difficult to do. You're not going to be able to buy players as good as those two, certainly not not in the immediate future you might buy players that can develop or you might get some loan signings further on in the window but they're not going to be able to hit the ground running necessarily uh and, and be as good right now as those two players are and and hull I think are the same sort of proposition you know el he scored on Tuesday night he's a player that's been linked with a move away is he going to stay perhaps he's probably more chance of him staying than those two qPR players but you could see him moving up to to the Premier League and, and there are other huddlestons another player and you could put in that same bracket. They've got good squads now, but you've got to really judge them on September the 2nd.
2: Well, like the three teams that came down last season, Hull have had the best start. Burnley uh, lost again in midweek, didn't they? 2-0 at Ipswich, who were top of the league. We should a little mention for, for Mick. Hmm. Sean Dyche was not happy with that penalty, which was awarded at the weekend. Yeah. You know, it was never a penalty in the first place. One team I did want to mention before we leave the championship, are
1: Bolton. Oh, God, um, yeah. DC. They've not scored a goal yet this season. No, they haven't. And you know... How long ago it was since they last had a, a goal drought as bad as this one? Go on. Uh, well, Queen Victoria was still on the throne. <laughs> <laughs> really? And it was eighteen eighty five. Wait, yeah. the... so eighteen eighty eight rather uh, was when was when they last went on a, a goalless run as bad as the one they're currently was- on?
2: Wasn't that when the football league was formed as well that mm. year?
1: I think it was. So
2: yeah, the very first season. that's... 126 years their worst goal r- run in 126 years they've just signed a new striker from Arsenal called Wellington Silver I mm. don't think I've ever heard of a professional footballer with the first name Wellington before so maybe he's the answer to their problems well, maybe and, uh, one final thing the, um, the goal that Preston scored at MK Dons on Saturday in terms of great goals I should mention that as well because that was an amazing counter-attacking goal Scored by Sam Gallagher. So you can hunt that one down on YouTube. I suggest you would.
1: Before we leave Bolton, uh, they may be struggling to to score, obviously, but they also need to have a look at what's going on at their back. The goal that MK Don scored on Tuesday night good grief that centre half I had his name earlier I've not got it with me he's a guy have got on loan uh, from Italy from Atalanta I've got a better first touch than that <laughs> I mean his first touch was like went 10 yards in front of him straight to the striker oh, terrible and then he tried to come back and recover fell over when he tried to tackle him awful I think you're talking about Prince Deseguano that's it yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah
2: Prince Yeah, he's the one <laughs> didn't look like much of a prince on that goal um, League 1 uh, Swindon mate straight to the big decision this penalty at Port Vale got in the 93rd minute have you seen this? It's basically it's a corner to Port Vale. Swindon are winning 2-1. The corner, just just as the corner is about to be taken by Port Vale, a Swindon player who's standing sort of you know 10 yards away from the where the corner is being taken, just on the edge of the area, you know, usual position like a one-man wall. Yeah. He goes down injured, basically sort of you know he's obviously injured, puts his hand up as in to sort of indicate he needs a bit of treatment or whatever, and Port Vale take the corner anyway. And then the Swindon, the Swindon defenders, I think it's Joe, Jordan Williams, sorry, decides to just like punch the ball out of play because obviously this guy's down and blah, blah, blah. And the referee gives a penalty. So obviously he thinks that the game's going to be stopped and he sort of catches the cross as it comes in. The ref gives a penalty in the 93rd minute
1: and Port equalize and it all kicks off. What's one of the first things you get taught as a kid? Play to the whistle. Play to the whistle. I mean, you can't catch the ball in the area if, if the referee hasn't blown his whistle. Well, about I know that whether, Mark, Mark whether your player's wasn't gone down or what. It.
2: Mark Cooper wasn't happy. I think he went on Talk Sport, didn't he? I believe, yesterday. Uh, I think on Adrian Durham's show to defend uh, or to
1: sort of give his point of view. I mean, I can, I can see the point of view, but still, don't take any chances. You know, you shout at the referee or whatever, but until he blows that whistle, you've got to be ready for what comes into the box. You've got to, you've got to deal with the situation. I saw um, I saw Swindon on Saturday, actually.
2: I didn't think they were that great. They drew two all with us. We were two and up coasting, missed a penalty. Then they got one back about 20 minutes to go. And then Brendan Rodgers' son... Anton. Anton Rogers. He scored an absolutely fantastic free kick to equalize. And actually his dad, Brendan Rogers, was there. Oh right. In the stands. Pictured on the touchline afterwards were David Flitcroft and Brendan Rogers deep in conversation. Now, both of them are prone to coming out with what we would probably call David Brentisms in interviews so I would <laughs> yeah. love to have been a fly on the wall to hear how that conversation was going and then I went to our game with Fleetwood at home on Tuesday which we lost 4-3
1: yeah and it sounds you like weren't all... very happy about it I was talking to you after the game yeah it must have been a crackdown a-
2: beat it, it wasn't It was. we were really poor 4-3 Let... though sounds like a good game well no it wasn't it just wasn't it was just one sort of those games where we're letting, we're letting six goals at home already you know it just kind of mm. makes you feel the step up anyway early yeah. days uh, Gillingham Flanheit. how have the new signings been sorry how have the new signings been Leon Clark's been very good although well, you can tell already he's dirty yeah. you know what I mean he's already had about three three yellows. so he, he's been good I think he's already scored four times for us uh, Pope Tom Pope the guy we signed from Port Vale got yeah. a great header uh, last Saturday set one up the strikers have been very good it's just the sort of the defence and the midfield which have pinned the, the problem so far but it's early days, early days. We've got crew away on Saturday and they're second bottom. So hopefully get the first win at the weekend. Um, Blackpool down there, their situation goes from bad to worse, doesn't it, at the minute? Um, and Millwall haven't started too well.
1: Mm. Oh, God, Joe. Millwall fan Joe Amplit, who's been on the show a few times over the years, um, you'll remember him being very, very angry last oh, season yeah. when they were yeah, right, yeah. right in the thick of it. Well, that's nothing compared to how he was on on Wednesday morning when I spoke to him. He's uh, relegation battle. He's saying Harris is out of his depth. We need a new, whole new, entire new back four before the window shuts. Um, <laughs> I was trying to make him see sense. just saying, look, I know it's bad, but one, one win, just one win and it all looks better. You never know. But no, he's not having it they are in trouble according to him already yeah League League
2: 2 uh, it's Leighton Orient starting with 3 wins mm. out of 3 who would have thought hey um, not me that's, that's for the sure chaos of, that's the chaos of last season uh, so they're joint up with Wickham who've started well again Hartlepool 3 wins Ronnie Moore's not been managing them has he because his daughter's no. been ill
1: but he's um, back now I think so yeah, he is. Good
2: to good to see and then Cambridge are fourth, and they had an amazing game at Carlisle last Saturday, a 4 4 draw. And you've got Plymouth and Northampton in the playoff places. Um, and down at the bottom, I tell you what, mate, your your prediction about Yeovil with a triple drop, the triple bounce, or whatever the, whatever the, the opposite of that is. Um, yeah, triple bounce. What played. is the opposite
1: of the triple bounce? I don't know. I'll touch on A triple tumble. Yeah. Um, yeah, three games, zero points. Well, I mean. Normally, me tipping somebody for relegation is a good omen for them, but it doesn't seem <laughs> to be the, the case so far. And it, this, this on, on the subject of predictions, it's really annoys me that this time of the season because you, you know, it's so fresh in your mind and you're looking out for teams going, oh no, God, I've tipped them to do well and they've they've lost, or this guy hasn't scored yet. And what always seems to happen as well, with an eye on the league cup fixtures next week, whether I tip for top goal scorer, they'll, they will can't hit a barn door in the league and then they go score hat tricks in the in the league cup.
2: We've got Leicester in the league cup. It's another we are going up derby of sorts. It's a shame the Nuge isn't going to be there, so we could have a, you know.
1: We a... were so close. Watford was so close to drawing Luton. There were oh, four really? teams left in the hat, and two it of them got... were, were Watford, and we instead got Preston away. Uh, yeah. yeah. Not... So speaking of long Tuesday night <laughs> yeah. away trips, I'm not going to be going up to Deepdale on Tuesday. That's a shame.
2: Um, right, that's it, I think, for this week. We kind of mumbled our way through the, uh, the divisions there. It's still early days, and there's been a whole round of midweek games as well, so... Um, not. It's very hard to watch the midweek goals. Do you not think? Especially if you're at a game. They're not unless you want to go individually onto all the videos on the Sky Sports website. I'm starting a campaign for a midweek football league tonight, Dave. I want. to had to slagging it off last week. I want an extra edition. You coming round to it? Um, I've got to be honest. I did flick through this week's to just to watch the goals, but it, it looked a bit more
1: polished from the bits that I saw. Fair enough. I take it you didn't see it then from that no I've just been on YouTube like you say I've, 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 you know I've, these days really you can just go onto every single club has got the goals up there and just watch them at your, at your leisure nice to see Jamie Curriton on
2: Football League tonight of the weekend though always nice to see Jamie Curitan wherever he is indeed um, if you want to tweet us this week it's at Wagyu Podcast W-A-G-U Podcast the website is wearegoingup.co.uk what else bits and bobs have we got to plug Instagram Instagram.com slash
1: Wagyu Podcast Facebook page as well and do some Instagrams on all your away days and your games up there in League One. Mm. Do a bit more Instagramming. Okay, you too. I've got nothing. Oh, no, I you can't, can't do can anything you? down here. What can I do? <laughs> you can't. Instagram this studio. It wouldn't be very interesting. no um, I Instagram the
2: aircon unit in the corner of the room. Yeah, please do actually. Can you actually do that now? And people can go and find that. Follow it. All right. Yeah, I will. Um, we teamed up with audible.co.uk to offer you a free audiobook of your choice. All you've got to do is register for a free one-month trial to claim your free audiobook. There are over 150,000 to pick from. Uh, the 30-day free trial means you can choose a free audiobook, which is yours to keep whether or not you decide to cancel during that trial period and... More good news, if you trial the service over a year ago, the good people at Audible are giving you another opportunity to uh, get your hands on another audiobook or get your ears around one, more specifically. You
1: know, I, you know, I said last, last week when you gave the audiobook service a plug, and I said I downloaded the uh, Alan Partridge mm. uh, book, Yes, which is, which is very good, enjoying it very much. Have you seen what's been, what's been happening over the last few days? What, are you talking about the Chris Eubank Youth Hostel.
2: Chris thing? Eubank, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's finally gone youth hosteling. I saw that today. Brilliant. Um, I should give the, the link, audible.co.uk slash going up. That's the page you need to go to to sign up. Right, that is about it for this week's show. Thank you to Andy came on early. Thank you to Ian McIntosh. Thank you to all the uh, people that got in touch about your uh, miserable away trips as well. Indeed. We'll finish by raising a drink, I feel, to the... Uh, how many Carlisle fans was it? I think I've got the number here somewhere. I think it's about 150 or something like that. 165. Where is it? 169 Carlisle fans who made that 780 mile midweek round trip to Plymouth. Same again next year, lads. This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered.
1: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row?